Halloween greetings creeps, and welcome to episode 18 of the Slashlings podcast. I'm your host, JR, and this is where we discuss horror's influence from the silver screen and beyond. Both this intro and the following re- interview were recorded on Monday, October 26th, because, you know, procrastination. If you're listening to this on release day, we are T-minus four days till the Great Pumpkin comes home, and I'll admit, it's taken me a bit longer to get into the Halloween spirit this year, given, you know everything. But this past weekend, I saw Dr. Gasp play a socially distant outdoor show in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I went to Haunted Overload and saw last episode's guest, Sister Lucy, in her full demonic glory. And that just made my little heart become jack-o'-lantern shaped, my teeth turned into candy corn, once again baffling medical science. But that's okay. Dr. Acula said I shouldn't be concerned. Welcome to this week's episode of the Slashings Podcast. I'm joined by my buddy Shane. He's a fellow horror aficionado and collector of all things ooky and spooky. Would you care to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, what's up, guys? Uh, Name's Shane. Um, Lived in uh, Massachusetts my whole life. Currently residing in uh, Central Mass, just south of Worcester. So just want to say hi, everybody. Neat. And how long have you been into horror and the things of the macabre? Um... I want to say I started probably like eighth grade freshman year, um, but I when I really really dove into it was probably maybe like three four years ago probably four years ago because um, my girlfriend and I had moved into our apartment and I feel like that was right around the same time where we started to go heavy into it. Nice. What was your intro to horror like? What got you into it? So. I have these like weird memories of my sister going to Blockbuster. Um, I remember a few movies specifically that she rented. Um, one was like Urban Legend, uh, Carrie the Rage 2. Um, like those two specifically, I remember, I think she rented them together and we had like a double feature night. Um, but we used to watch like AMC on the weekends and other ones that I remember vividly was like Child's Play, Jason Takes Manhattan, and um, the other one was like Halloween 5. Nice. It's weird how Blockbuster almost always get, was guaranteed to have the sequels. Like they almost never had the originals, but Carrie 2, you're damn right, that's always going to be on the shelf. Yeah, and I think honestly that was like a good like intro because 90s horror is kind of like good and bad, but she seemed to rent some good ones, so I was happy for that. <laughs> Nineties horror definitely had its peaks and values for sure. What do you think of the new craft remake slash continuation or whatever they're calling it coming out? Uh, I'm not really like have high hopes on it. Um, I don't know. I just feel like remakes are so hit or miss these days. And that one doesn't seem to have like a lot of what made the original one so good, but we'll have to see what happens. Exactly. I was surprised by a few. So I don't want to write it off just yet, but it looks kind of like tonally similar to the Black Christmas remake, which I also thoroughly didn't enjoy. Yeah, I I almost wish that they gave that one a different title. Um, I think it would have done better and felt better as like a standalone film, but having that link to Black Christmas, I think that's just alone what killed it for me and like everyone else that I heard review it. Um, agreed which is it's weird because blumhouse has so many like big stellar horror titles and they know how to do a remake or a reboot justice but that one just kind of fell short so i'm in that same boat of trepidatious with the new craft like i don't want to write it off yet but it it, the trailer didn't imply that it was treading any new ground it looked like it's trying to do the same movie again and then it had um nancy as like a picture in it for a second so it's still supposed to be after the fact of the original i guess yeah it's almost as if like they're they're making it for like today's kids. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think I was reading something about uh, the witches, whereas it's like a really good movie for today's kids, but doesn't quite meet the standards of like the kids that saw the original. No, it it the, what I like about the original witches is it didn't really pull any punches. Yes, it was still marketable and safe toward kids, but it wasn't necessarily a children's movie. Yeah, exactly. Like, did you watch? Have you seen the remake of the, of witches? Not yet, no. I gotta set myself up with, I think it's on HBO or something like that. Yeah, it's on HBO Max, which I have from a subscription from like a friend of a friend of a friend that just happened to be not logged in for the hour and a half to watch it. It's, it's okay. Like, it's, it's cool seeing, um, I can't even think of a right defense for it. There, there's elements of it that don't suck. There's a lot going against it. 
Like, I love Octavia Spencer and just about anything, but even she seemed to be phoning it in with this one, too. I heard it was pretty CGI heavy. Was that, did you find that to be true? It's real CGI heavy, and sometimes it looks okay, and sometimes it looks like I'm playing a PS2 game. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, definitely disappointing. And it, it's um, Zemeckis. Like, how could that have not gone well? Like, he directed it, Guillermo del Toro produced it. Like, it had so much power and oomph behind it and just such a flat delivery. Yeah, that's a bummer, especially with the library of those directors. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They have, like, such a long list of great works. But I've seen some other stuff that I haven't cared for from other, like, prolific directors. Like, did you watch um, Nightmare Cinema, the anthology film last year? Was that the one with, like, kind of the demon on the cover? Yeah. The Yeah, I did the one- see it. I unfortunately don't remember a thing about it, but... And, and, and that's the point. Like, there's a, there's a bit in there directed by... Um, Joe Dante. Joe Dante. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That should be memorable, and it, it isn't. Like, I remember it had something to do with plastic surgery, and there was a creepy face at the end of it, but I should remember more of something he directed. Yeah, anthologies can be hit or miss. I know, so I was recently going through, like, a lot of the Halloween-themed ones, mm-hmm. um, and, like, they'll have good segments, but as a whole, like, a lot of it's forgettable, which kind of sucks, because, you know, the Halloween vibe is there, and, like, the cinematography is so good, but Unfortunately, like the stories just don't really hold up. When you say that, the first one I'm thinking of is Tales of Halloween. See, I really love that one. Um, the ones that disappointed me was like 1031. Mm. Um, first one's okay. The second one, meh, not so much. Um, and All Hallows Eve. Yep. Well, because All Hallows Eve is what gave us Art the Clown, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which if, if you're looking for Art the Clown, I would say just watch Terrifier. Yep. Um, but All Hallows Eve kind of gave a good like glimpse of like the gore and the grittiness that Art the Clown was going to provide us. Which it's cool that we got a new iconic character because I, I don't think like, we've really had a major one in the while unless there's one I'm blatantly forgetting. Because like we had Sam from Trick or Treat was the last major one, but now having Art the Clown as his own horror icon, I'm sure we'll have a line of figures and stuff yeah. for him soon. The only newer age one I could think of was maybe Victor Crowley, but... Yeah, yeah. there really hasn't been, like, a well-defined franchise or character. It's cool to see Victor Crowley finally getting, like, the actual formal figure treatment. Like, that cloth doll that NECA has coming out later this year looks pretty good. Yeah, even his, like, uh, like the Toon character ones that they've been doing, yep. even his looks pretty sick on that, too. Agreed. It's, it's cool seeing Adam Green get a little bit more acclaim and fame he's been doing it for so long and like the first hatchet came out in 2007 right right around there yeah somewhere around there so it's just neat that he's been doing it for so long doing it independently and now getting a little bit more widespread acclaim when he's been hinting at some bigger project he's working on i wouldn't be surprised to see him tacked on to a blumhouse project sooner than later uh my girlfriend and i we just watched uh his show holliston on shutter have you Mm -hmm. seen that i did i did i I watched it when it was on Fearnet, and then I watched it again when they put it on Shudder. And I don't think it aged particularly well, but it was still a slice of like lighthearted humor that was nice to have right now. Yeah, I'm not like a huge fan of comedies, but that one probably because of like the nods to the genre, mm-hmm. um, it hit home for me. But yeah, it was just fun seeing him and like Joe Lynch like poking fun with each other, and I don't know. I I really like that cast as like a whole. They Same. just seem to have like, really good chemistry amongst each other. And just seeing that bit where they went to, well, they called it the CDU Center for their version of Rock and Shock, it made my heart yeah. ache. Like, I miss that so much right now. I know. I think it was, uh, like, Shane was texting me last weekend, and he was like, damn, should be at Rock and Shock right now. Yeah. Well, it's like all of my, like, Instagram and Facebook memories of, oh, remember when you were here? I'm like, yes, I remember. You can stop telling me now. I was happy then. <laughs> I know. It's such a bummer. Like, had I known that last year was going to be the last year, but I would have gone for more than one day, I would have, I would have done so much more. Uh, speaking of Shane, I think that's how you and I kind of found each other online, was just we both followed, we both followed Shane, got tattooed by him, and kind of fell into that same, like, central mass horror sort of stuff. And it's funny, because on the same day, well, at least the same day he posted it, when he posted your Halloween 3 tattoo, I was getting mine done by a different artist also in Worcester at the same exact time. Oh, man, that's crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah so i um we had had like an interaction i don't know if you remember this i think i made mention of it to you online briefly but um you had come into so i work for walgreens so you had come into the hudson store mm-hmm. 
Um, and you were looking for like the Funko Peanuts Halloween. Oh shit! And you found it at the Marlboro one. Yes. So I remember. I mean, like Walgreens. I don't really see people that I, you know, would talk to on a regular basis. So um, I remember you had like this flannel with like a Rob Zombie Halloween backpatch. Yep. I saw that first, and I was like, like it just kind of like pulled me over to you. So I was like, I think I asked you like, Hey, what's up? What can I help you with? And you told me, and I, ha- I think I grabbed them like from out back or something. Cause I was just like, this is me <clears throat> would want to be like looking for these collectible items too. Hoping that there's just someone out there that could hook me up. So like, I remember seeing, I was like, Oh, this kid must be into the same stuff I am. Let me, I'm going to hook him up. Hell yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't know if you had messaged me about that, but I do remember that specifically because I was hunting for those for a while. And I remember coming home and being like, look, this, this guy helped me find these. Cause I have them. I don't know if you can see them from my camera, but I have Lucy up there and the ghost trucks over there, but that's really cool. I didn't know that was you. That's really, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They came up with some other cool uh, collectibles, not so much recently, but there was that year they had like the universal monster ones, like invisible man. Um, and what was the other one? Well, they have like a Frankenstein exclusive where he's holding the flower. Mm-hmm. I think the yeah. last cool one they did was a Dracula, but this year I didn't see anything worth my while. Well, because this year they did the Invisible Man holding the book, or was that last year's too? Because I found him this year and got excited. Was that the black and white one? Yeah, he's, he's, this year he's black and white. Was he black and white before? Um, They did do a color one, so yeah, that might be this year's. I didn't see him at my store, but I have seen people post it online. Yeah, I found him, and then last year they had the, the the Dracula holding the candle, and they had the Herman Munster in like the Dracula racing outfit. Yep, yep, those are wicked cool. Um, did you watch the Joe Bob Halloween special from this past Friday? Ah, uh, I did. I didn't watch the the second film only because I was tired and tapped out. <laughs> but um, we did watch Haunt, um, which I was kind of bummed because like I love Haunt but I had just seen it like a week prior. So it was just kind of like rewatching a film that I was, I was hoping for something new and he must honestly not like Halloween three, because I really thought they were going to show that for Darcy this time. Yeah, he's, he's talked about it a bunch in the past. Like when he had his original columns and stuff, he wrote about not liking it because it wasn't a continuation of one or two that they went too far different, which is the same. Like a lot of people have that complaint obviously with it not really having Michael Myers in it, but it is a phenomenal standalone film and I'm glad to see it's finally getting, or not finally, it's been getting the love it deserved for like the past two or three years, but I think it's a really good addition to the franchise. Yeah. I can remember fear fest where in like, you know, they, they do the Halloween marathons and like three would come on and I'd be like, eh, this one sucks. I'm going to, I'm away for four. But you know, I looking back, I wish that I watched it cause I probably would have got into it much earlier but i think that's definitely one that like we grew appreciation for much later on absolutely and it's it's one that captures the actual like spirit of the holiday i think better definitely better than the second one and if not as good as the first one but better than it yeah yeah i can see that too and it's it's cool that tom atkins is getting his own resurgence because like you're seeing like the night of the creeps figure coming out you're seeing halloween 3 being more popular it's just it's good to see him kind of coming back into the forefront of horror again yeah i've been meaning to rewatch uh, night of the creeps because that's one that i've only seen maybe once or twice uh, i picked up the new show factory one but i just haven't watched it yet nice i have the old can't remember who put out the first blu-ray but i definitely want to upgrade it because i think the show or screen factory one has like a 4k remaster so be cool to watch yeah. through that yeah but that's probably one of the better like uh art covers we have too yeah for sure like scream factory's covers are always ridiculous like they're it's, it's one of their biggest hallmarks and it's iconic for that label like we're in a time with so many good boutique labels between like them and vinegar syndrome and severin like there's a lot of good ones but the artwork for the scream factory ones is always a step above yeah, I was really excited to see Vinegar Syndrome putting out, um, like, Dial Code Santa Claus. Yep. I had just watched that. I think they put it on Shudder last Christmas. And I'm, like, a huge, huge fan of, like, Christmas horror, no matter, like, how bad and cheesy it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just, like, blown away by it. Like, there's just so many cool things to it. Like, the soundtrack, the little kid being badass. 
like the Santa in it looked like super creepy. I don't know. It was just a blast of a film. So I went and got this like region B one, but I was happy to see that vinegar syndrome was dropping it. Is that, is there a version of it out now or is it for pre-order? I think it's a part of their black Friday deal. It's for pre-order. Yeah. I think it honestly might release the end of this month, but yeah, that's definitely one that I think we're going to see a lot of people adding to their collections. Which is great. Like that's one of the biggest things about those boutique labels is these movies that have been left like getting covered in dust on the shelves, now seeing the light of day again. And it's you have people, you have like streaming services like Shutter making them immediately accessible, and then the other labels putting them out in physical media. It's just cool to see a lot of those kind of pop up. I was watching Satan's Little Helper the other day too, and I was like, this is like a perfect release for Vinegar Syndrome. Like it's got just enough sleaze and like just enough cheese where I feel like. I don't know. I'm surprised they haven't released that one yet, too. I'm sure they will. And there's there's a couple that I've been waiting for to get the formal Blu-ray treatment. Like, Satan's Little Helper's not available on Blu-ray at all, is it? No, I, I have a DVD. I want to yeah. say I just grabbed one off eBay somehow. Yeah. It's like I, was I don't think in, it's an easy one to find, but... No, not anymore. It was for a while, because I worked at um, Newberry Comics for like 10 years, and you'd see that one on the shelf for forever... And all of a sudden, one day, a, slip, a flip just switched. Oop, that was backwards. And you can't, you couldn't find it anywhere because like that cover oh. was iconic. You'd see it on like every store. Yeah, yeah. And then just gone. There's a couple more I'm waiting to to for them to get the Blu-ray treatment. Like this past weekend, I picked up um, Black Roses and the Coffin Joe trilogy on on DVD. But the thing is, those are both through Synapse. Like they constantly put out really good Blu-rays and 4K. So I'm not sure why they're sitting on a back catalog of DVD ones. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, Black Roses? Yeah. It's like a, a one of those like heavy metal horror films in the vein of like that one with Thor or uh, Trick or Treat. Oh, okay. I should check that out then. Yeah, definitely worth checking out. It's a fun one. That and Coffin Joe was the... Have you seen those ones? No. It's like a... Have you heard um, Argyle Goolsby's solo album, The Dark in Your Doorstep? Yeah. That first track where it's like the intro being spoken in uh, Portuguese, that's Coffin Joe. Oh, okay. He's like a Portuguese or a Brazilian um, Freddy Krueger, kind of. Like it's all dream based stuff. I haven't seen it in years. I'm excited to give it the rewatch. Yeah, I'll definitely have to check that out. All sorts of fun ones. Uh, what do you have planned for Halloween this year? Uh, nothing concrete yet. Um, Witch's Woods was thrown out there. Nice. Um, I, I thought there was a haunt in Haverhill, but when I was looking at the website earlier, it looked like it was only last year. So unfortunately, that's probably one of the ones that wasn't able to open. But uh, the other thing I was thinking of checking out was Argyle Goolsby actually was supposed to do that live stream. Um, so I'm tempted to check that out, especially the pics that they've been posting of like with the wax statues. It looks pretty awesome. So. And it does look really good with like both the wax statues and the puppets they've been doing because it's um, Bill Diamond who's always does like uh, super mega fest and Scaricon up around here. His work is amazing. He used to work with the Henson Company. Yeah, I am really excited for the, both his show and there's the Wednesday Thirteen Halloween one, both of which are doing like crazy full length, ridiculously overdone shows. I'm very excited about. And with Argyle too, he's doing the Nosferatu score before that one, which will be cool to yeah. hear. I'm really excited to hear that. Nosferatu's like one of my favorite classic horror films. I'd say he's right up there with like Phantom of the Opera for me. 100%. And speaking of Phantom, I always find it weird that whenever you buy like the box set of like the Universal Monster movies, the Phantom one they choose is the one with Claude Rains and never the one with. Um, um... Lon Chain. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, I don't know why they would include that one instead. And even like the big deluxe one doesn't have the Lon Chaney one. You have to buy that one separate, which is annoying because, in my opinion, that's the better version of the film. Oh, without question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the Claude Rains one, I've seen maybe once. It was okay. But yeah, the Lon Chaney one is just so iconic. Just that makeup, the demasking, the whole like red painted scene with the party is amazing. Like, it's just, it's so much more memorable and frightening and it feels more visceral than watching the Claude Rains one because to me, that one's immemorable. Yeah. Even the, uh, the musical one, Gerard Butler. I liked that one a lot too. It kind of had that like gothic feel to it, like Bram Stoker's Dracula or Sleepy Hollow. 
Now that'd be a cool triple feature. I didn't even think of that doing that Phantom, that Dracula, and then Tim Burton, Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, or even uh, like Sweeney Todd if you're going for musicals. Mm. Those would all mold really well together. I love Sweeney Todd, and I feel like that's like the last really great Tim Burton film. Yeah, I agree. Um, What's funny is like growing up, I was never a fan of like musicals. Like one that would come to mind is like Annie. Mm -hmm. totally different spectrum but (laughs) um, i remember one time my friend had it and he's like hey we should check this out it's good i was like i don't know man it's a musical i'm not a huge fan of musicals and then he passed out fell asleep and i found myself like really into it so i was like oh and then funny enough he got me into like a few other musical horrors and i don't know it's just funny like not really being a fan of musicals some of those are like my most favorite films it's weird that it's almost its own subgenre because you have you have Sweeney Todd, you have Rocky Horror, you have Repo. Um, yeah, fin- that Repo was another one that he got me on to. Nice. Do you ever get to see a shadow cast of that like they do with Rocky Horror? No. Oh, it's a lot of fun. I think, what's the name of the production company around here that does it? They're, I think it might be Body Bag. I don't know. One of them does, they'll do Rocky Horror, Repo, the uh, musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. They do a whole bunch of them, and they're, they're all pretty cool. Oh, nice. What other horror musicals am I not thinking of right now? Um, so being a big fan of the Christmas horror, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse, that's oh, yeah. like one of them. I have fond memories of that, too, because it got a very limited theater release. So we had gone to, I want to say Tremont Street. It's in the theater district in Boston. There's that movie theater there next to the Common. Mm-hmm. So we had gone there to see it and i loved the film and then when we got out it was just just that like perfect time of day and like they had all the christmas lights in the park i don't know it was just a really good day hell yeah it's and it's a perfect way to encapsulate seeing that movie that's awesome yeah yeah that's definitely an annual watch for me in december it's the name of the weird christmas horror with like all the like fake santas um like they're, they're like elves uh export strange exports is that the name of it yeah, rare exports. Rare yeah. exports. There it is. Yeah, yeah. It's like Sweden or Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. That one's really good. It's a super. That's what what I did for my double feature last year because I used to before everything pandemicy. I would host a horror movie night at my house. I, that I know you and I have talked about that before. And at the Christmas one, I did a double feature of Santa's Sleigh with Goldberg and Rare Exports. That's a good pair up. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to be able to do that a little bit more regularly, hopefully soon, although I don't really expect to. I did one outdoor one at the end of August, and I invited a couple more people than I should have, and like seats were moved, and I just I wound up getting too uncomfortable with it. It's so like I am doing a super small one on Halloween, but just limited to like six, maybe seven people. Yeah. Did you decide on what you're showing yet? So we're going to do, so this year to try to keep it still family friendly, because I usually, like last time I did it in my backyard, this year we're going to do it in the front yard, so I'll have my table of candy for trick-or-treaters to still be able to come by and grab, so all the movies will still be family friendly. I'm doing all, like I bought the big Universal Monsters box set, so let's go through a bunch of those at random. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, it'll be a good one, because that way it's, it's still fun, there's still phenomenal movies, there's nothing inappropriate for anyone to walk by and see, no, no blood or gore on the front yard. Yeah, and those films just have... There's something about them, just seeing the black and white, like on a on a projector screen. Like I can remember trips to Orlocks in the the old site that they used to have. You'd walk in and they'd have on that little TV, like playing some form of those movies. Because mm-hmm. now they do it in that back vault room with the um, Hitchcock statue. Yes. Yep. I yeah, I think once I went there, showing like House on Haunted Hill back there. Nice. They had actually uh, added a few more things into that vault. There's like a, a Jason bust and a Freddy bust in there now. Oh, cool. And I believe it's the, like a creature bust of um, the Monster Squad creature. Nice. Cause I, last time I was there, it was the um, Hitchcock. They had a Reagan, and I think there was an alien in there. I hadn't seen the bust. That's really cool. Yeah, I think it looks like the alien from Alien 3 because it has like a brown hue to it. Yep. But yeah. I still think Alien 3 is better than most people give it credit for. Yeah, I'd have to rewatch it, but it definitely has elements with like the prison that I feel like add to it in like a unique way. 
And I f- and then to continue that thread, I feel like Alien Four could have been better. I feel like the script was good. I just the cinematography made it look a lot cheesier than it needed to be. Yeah, were you a fan of like the the newer ones? Like, uh, was it Covenant? So I I do like Covenant, but I didn't like Prometheus at all. And I think I'm due for a rewatch on that to reevaluate my opinion. Because I I watched it once in the theater, hated it. Watched it when it first came out on DVD and hated it again. I just I thought some of the character decisions were just so weird. Like, the yeah, dude... I have to revisit it. Well, Covenant I was a big fan of, but I think that's because it was more along the lines of Alien versus Prometheus. But now I'd probably appreciate it more. That's what I'm thinking too. Because maybe if I take away the guise of wanting. Alien 5 from Prometheus and go into as its own standalone sci-fi movie, maybe I'll be able to enjoy it more. But I, I definitely, because that was the first one I got to see in theaters, because I, well, except for AVP too, but we don't have to talk about that. I was really excited to see an alien movie in the theater, so I bought my ticket for Prometheus. I went to the midnight screening at the local IMAX. It was super foggy and creepy out, and then I was just disappointed. That's something I definitely miss right now. It's just not necessarily midnight screenings, but usually like any new theater release. I'd always go to Blackstone and Millbury on like a Thursday night at seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. We'd get like Red Robin beforehand, eat a bunch of bottomless fries and <laughs> then go enjoy a film. And then I miss that so bad right now. Same dude. It's what was the last movie you saw in the theater? I think it was like the boy Two, <laughs> which was not good at all, but I should probably just lie about that and say it was invisible man. Cause invisible <laughs> man. So I can't remember. I have to look at the specific dates. Mine was either Invisible Man or The Color of Outer Space. Because that had yeah, a special like one-night screening, too. Yep. Yeah, I caught that one at like a small, like, it's kind of like a Java House Cinema in Providence. That's cool. Yeah, I forget the name of the place. It might even be called like Java House Cinema, to be honest. But um, <laughs> it was cool. Like, you walk in, there's a little coffee shop. And then to the side, they have like a mini theater room with like a pull-down projector and like seats kind of spread out. That was probably in like February. So that was like right before the pandemic hit too. Such a bummer. That's like, even when they temporarily reopened the theaters, I couldn't bring myself to go. It just didn't seem like a safe, smart option. No. And I mean, luckily I feel like there's nothing that like I've been super itching to go see. Um, I mean, if Candyman released in a theater, I might just suck it up and go, but I don't know. Theater is kind of grimy to begin with. Like, you just walk in and it's like, oh, that seat's sticky. There's popcorn <laughs> everywhere. So I, do, I just don't know how they would upkeep cleaning as well in the theater. But the cool thing that I think that's been about it is, like, I've seen the drive-in experience, like, increase to a high level. And for us in our area, I think we're pretty lucky because we have Menden and then we have uh, Rustic Tritown in Providence, too. Well, just outside of Providence. Yeah, I mean to make a run down to the Rustic one. I haven't checked that out. I, I was going to Menden pretty regularly, but haven't a whole lot after the whole Mandelman thing. Like, I know he's gone from the company, but, like, eh, I don't know. It just left a weird taste in my mouth, which is a bummer because it's a great drive-in. It's a really great, like, group of people who work there. They get really good movies, but it's, it's, it's left a funky taste in my mouth. Yeah, I think on Halloween they're showing Halloween 1 and 2, so we had thrown that out as well, but... <clears throat> We'll just have to see what happens that day. Yeah. And, and so far, weather for the day is looking pretty good. Like, I think it's supposed to rain the Friday before, but be clear and cool all day Halloween, which will be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember one year we had a snowstorm. I don't know if it was on Halloween, but it was, like, right around that, like, party weekend. Yeah. And we went to, uh, it was, like, a house party in Providence and had to drive all the way up to, like, Fitchburg, Mass, where I used to live. I don't know how I made it home because it was just <laughs> such a bad storm, but I made it all that way and I got stuck in like my driveway of all places. <laughs> but at least you made it to the driveway. Did make it home, yeah. So that was the important <laughs> thing. Have you guys checked out the uh, the pumpkins this year, the ones down at the Roger Williams Zoo? No, I wanted to. Um, I saw you were there the other day, right? Yeah, and like the, the pumpkins were great. The experience as a whole was kind of because eh, like we, we bought tickets for like the 830 slot and we drove down there we got there at like maybe 815 okay if you can pull up here and wait and we pulled up parked in a line where they literally had us like bumper to bumper with the cars in front of us and behind us 
and we sat there for an hour before they let us drive through the pumpkins. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was not, like, it's as well organized as they could be for pulling together something like this kind of last minute. And then, like, most of the pumpkins were on, like, the driver's side, so, like, I was fine, but, like, my girlfriend couldn't see them super well. The cars behind us were, like, getting closer and closer, like, trying to, like, rush us through it. Like, hey, dude, we just waited an hour to get to look at these. Like, please give me a minute to enjoy them. Yeah, so was it structurally, like, the same, and you're just driving through where you would walk, or did they kind of change how they're displayed so that you could see them a little better? It was structurally the exact same, and so you are driving through that same area, which doesn't take super long to walk through and took even less to drive through. Yeah, yeah, we would actually, when we'd go, we'd kind of circle back a second time, mm-hmm. just in case we missed something, or, I mean, everyone stops to take photos and has their, like, kids baby carriages in the way and all that so we'd always try and take a second loop if we could and and that's because you had that opportunity then because it did just kind of feed back into the front of it as opposed to this time where once you're out you're out and you couldn't get back in because they already looked at your ticket ah uh, that's a bummer and then they had like a couple of crew members like walking up and down the lines of cars trying to sell the same like junky light things and necklaces and stuff like dude no one wants that right now please go away yeah, I know. If you're going to sell me that, please cover your nose. <laughs> oh, the nose wears are the worst. I don't get it. Like, you're putting in the effort, quote-unquote, to put the mask on your face, but then to leave your nose uncovered is just dumb. Like, you're not doing anything. I know. It's so bad, too. And, like, working in retail, I just see it all day long. I'm sure. Especially, like, because you're, you're, you're currently at Walgreens, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm at the one in uh, Framingham. So oh, okay. that's it's it's pretty busy it's a big commuter commuter store so i'm sure you get all sorts of grubby i'm sure you get i'm sure you got gross people in there before all of this and now it's just exacerbated yeah there's like one guy in particular like his mask he must be wearing the same one that he wore from the beginning because it's got like literally it looks like it's growing mold on the front and i'm like i'm like dude get a new mask please and, and like when it first started, they were harder to find because it wasn't something that a regular store would stock. But now they're literally everywhere you go. It's not that hard to find one. And I see a lot of stores now, they'll offer complimentary ones if you need one. And I think that's a really cool move. Yeah, we've been doing that because <clears throat> same thing. Like when we first started, we didn't even know if we were going to have any to like hand out to all the employees. But now I have so many. It's like anytime we see someone without one, I'm like, just please go hand one out. It's like this past weekend, we were bopping around um, Portland, Maine on Saturday and then Portsmouth, New Hampshire on Sunday just to see the couple of regular shops that we like. And each one, there was someone sitting right up front counting the number of people in the store, handing out masks if necessary and enforcing a please sanitize your hands. Like by the end of the maybe hour or so of shopping at the different stores, our hands were so dry because every single store made you sanitize over and over again, which I get and I appreciate. But Yeah, you went to, uh, was it Deadwick's? Yeah, we went to Deadwick's on Sunday, and that was, it was okay. Like, you've been there. You know the size of the store. It's not that big to begin with, but people kind of kept coming in while we were there. So I think by the time we left, there were, like, maybe 12 people in the store, which is about all you could even fit in there. Yeah. A little crammed. Yeah, I picked up a cool Lizzie Borden shirt from there. Nice. Dom, that's another place I'd recommend you going to if you haven't, is the Lizzie Borden house. I haven't been there yet, and I, I keep want I want to stay there, but it's so expensive now. Yeah, I forget what they're charging, but it definitely would be cool to do with like a group of people and just like rent out the entire house. Damn, that's a cool idea. Because I guess too, if you do the if you do the overnight stay, they do like a tour of like areas of the house that you don't get to go to on the regular tour. That's cool. I'll look into that. That's one of like the handful of New Englandy horror things I haven't gotten to do yet to stay there, and because like, I I want to get one of those little bobbleheads I saw in the gift shop too. Like it's just so cheesy and tacky. I kind of love it. Yeah, yeah, I picked one up because um, nice. I had gotten Shane's Ed Gein one, yeah. and I was like, this Lizzie Borden one will look perfect next to that one. So <laughs> I'm I had to stop there. I, the last thing I needed was another collection to like jump into. Oh, with bobbleheads. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got Shane's Ed Gein one. I've got a couple of like the like '90s Neko ones. Like I had the Evil Ash from Army of Darkness and the um, Number of the Beast Eddie from Iron Maiden. Nice. 
I think that might be it for my baubles because there are, there are just so many and you're right. It's just another collection to sink time and money into. As I sit here surrounded by my toys and crap. <laughs> what would yeah, you say is the, with the, the Halloween three, um, I guess triple set you'd call it. Yeah. I found it randomly at target. I was like, I need this. That's a really cool set. And I've been hemming and hawing about opening it. Cause right now the box, the packaging is great. The figures are great. Like right now it's still sitting in the box, but I kind of want them all out. Yeah. I haven't cracked it open yet, but <laughs> usually all my NECA figures I take out. Cause I just like to see them like out and see the actual like detail that they put into it. But then sometimes I'm like, Oh, I should have kept it in the box. The box looks cool too. Cause that's where I draw my lines that the packaging itself is good enough to display. I'll keep it in like that. But then I have a handful of like, like the nineties McFarlane figures and some of those boxes are so yellowed. You can barely even see the figure in there anymore. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause there's, there's no way to fix that. And I don't, I don't understand how it happens to some, but not others. I'm sure there are some scientific reasoning behind it or different plastics maybe, but it's just weird. Oh, I was going to say one that I was terrified to open was uh fan of the opera red death. Like, I think it's by Diamond Select, but it just looks so cool. Like, I had to take it out of the package. Oh, nice. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, it's from a while ago. I had to pay quite a bit off eBay to have it, but with Phantom being one of my favorites, I was like, I need this. I personally haven't, but have you seen the Robert England um, Phantom of the Opera? No, I wanted to um, pick up the Shout Factory one, but I guess that's one that just went out of print. So that one's going to be a lot harder to find unless it's streaming somewhere, but I'm sure it is. I just, it's funny looking at the pictures of it because almost all of his makeup just looks like Freddy Krueger knockoff makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Just felt like, Oh, Hey, we can do both of those movies at the same time and cash in on his little bit of popularity. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cause most like Phantom movies, like a lot of them I've enjoyed, like the Dario Argento one is even good in its own ways. Didn't he have like psychic abilities in the Argento one? I believe so. It's been a while since I've seen it, but he definitely had like a rat fetish thing too, I think. (laughs) Cause that was like that weird period of Argento where he did like that one and Dracula. And it's like, we get it. Your daughter's hot, but dude, chill. (laughs) I know. I know. It was so creepy to see what he did with her, but, but it was, it was all in the sake of art. Like, I don't necessarily think he's a creep. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we could talk about Argento for forever. He's just such an odd enigmatic dude yeah who knows what the story is there but he gave us some great films so absolutely now if you had to choose one more that's going to be coming out with her in it as well oh i know she was going to be in it that's cool yeah i think so i think it's like a revisit back to kind of what his heydays were i'd like to see him get one more good film to end it on a high note yeah, I agree. It bumps me out that he didn't like the remake of Suspiria. I, I even hesitate to call it a remake, because that was one of the few that I thought took the mantle of it and did a really good job with it, but he kind of came out and bashed the whole idea of it afterward. See, that's another one like similar to the Black Christmas film. Mm-hmm. I think if that one was standalone and had a different title, I think a lot more people would have appreciated it. I think, you know, that makes sense. Cause I mean, but I think if they didn't change the name of it and they still had it be the, like the, the witch school, the ballet school, I think people would have drawn comparisons and complained about it ripping off Suspiria if they fully changed the name. But I guess they could have changed a couple other elements too. Yeah, or maybe it wouldn't have just gotten a, a good showing either. Yeah. Maybe it needed that title to bring more eyes to it. That's kind of what I think about um, on a completely different genre, but the Joaquin Phoenix Joker too, is it was a phenomenal movie that at zero point in time needed to actually be Joker or in the DC universe or set with that. It could have been a really cool character study done separately in the same vein as Taxi Driver, which it obviously took a whole lot of inspiration from, but it didn't necessarily need to be that character. I think they use that more as a marketing ploy. Yeah, definitely. That was uh, one of my favorite movies of last year. I just thought it was done so well. It was phenomenal, like cover to cover, an amazing movie. I just, I'm confused as to why they went with that vehicle for it, other than the notoriety of the Joker character. Yeah. Still weird that they chose Gary Glitter for the song choice on the stair dance, but whatever, we can permit one odd step. Yeah, that's the (laughs) one thing about that movie, because I would consider that movie like 
a masterpiece or a perfect film, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, that's the one little clip that I'm like, I don't know if this fits in here. And like background in the trailer when he's on the stairs, like you don't get that vibe at all. So to throw that song in there, it just totally changed the tone of it. Exactly. It, it's going to fall into that category, like category of movies just has weird song choices. Like I think of the um, Marilyn Manson Sweet Dreams from Trick or Treat or um, what was the Marilyn Manson song at the beginning of Hatchet. Like it just, it seems weird. It, it puts a weird timestamp on the movie that it didn't need. Yeah, you can even kind of like It Chapter 2. Uh, when Especially he gets like, that. Like that again, like I'm just like, why do they do this? Maybe it's to tailor to a certain type of audience. I don't know, but I just don't understand it. I get so bummed with it, Chapter 2, because I loved Chapter 1. I thought it was a really good adaptation, really well made, and had some really good creepy elements to it. And then every time they, like, inch toward the creep factor in Chapter 2, they replaced it with, like, a laugh or a joke. Like, Bill Hader is great, but I don't need to watch his stand-up right now. Yeah, yeah. I definitely liked it for, like, its, like, story, and, like, I feel like the chemistry of those characters were still there. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think the kids had like a better chemistry, but um, being such a big fan of the original one too, it did work for me. But yeah, I could definitely see a little too much comedy elements there. And I think we learned the same lesson in both It Chapter 2 and the back half of the original. The adult plot can get kind of boring. Like the way the book did it where it sews it back and forth of this chapter is one of the kids, this chapter is from the adult's point of view. And going back and forth, I think is the best way to do it. Yeah, yep. Because then it makes that finale of both the kids facing off against it and then the adults facing off against it that much more pow- like powerful when that's the final big showdown. You don't know what's going to happen for either of them, really. For sure. Definitely one of my favorite Stephen King books. and it, it, that, The book itself ages really well and it still feels relevant, which is why I think the movies did as well as they did. It's a plot that can be applied to any different time frame, like how they updated the, the kids from the 50s to the 80s and people accused it of cashing in on like the Stranger Things 80s nostalgia fame, which I guess to a degree they did, but they did it really, really well. I heard Stranger Things was uh, filming again. Is that true? or? Um, I've, I've heard the same thing, so I, I hope so, because I thought season three was really, really good. Like Season two bummed me out. I'm like, oh, whatever, I'll give it one more chance to be good. And then season three killed it. And then, of course, in the midst of production of season four, we have this. Yeah, I would have been happy. I mean, I know we need a continuation of the story, uh, but season three was almost so good that like they could not do it. And I'd be okay with that. Agreed. Or go like an anthology route. Cause with a name like stranger things, you could change it in a heartbeat. That'd be a completely different town, a completely different story and still be great. Yeah. I just hope it doesn't become like, like another walking dead where it's just too big of a story, too big of a world. And then it just takes us out of it. Yeah. And then when they're filming it with those kids, similar to like walking dead with Carl, they're growing up so fast. Like Mike was in that the the Netflix Adam Sandler one that Hubie Halloween, and I almost didn't recognize him. Like I was looking at him, like I know yeah. I know this kid from somewhere. Yeah, I remember saying that as well. I'm like, how are, are they going to film season four if this is how like old he is now? Yeah, and they all grew up so quick. I mean, like we've seen Finn Wolfhard grow up pretty much on camera from season one of Stranger Things onwards. That he was in. Um, but well, it both it chapters one and two. Um, the the turning, the what? The, the turning. Oh yeah, the, the turning of the screw adaptation. I didn't see that one. Did you? I did. Um, if if you've heard the the stories of the ending being terrible, believe them because it was <laughs> like what? And then you're out of the theater. It made no sense, but. I think the Blu-ray release has like the actual ending or at least a more comprehensible one. And it's a bummer. Cause that director was who did like the, the Marilyn Manson videos for both tourniquet and I think the beautiful people. And so she had a really cool eye for that kind of aesthetic. And it looked like from the trailer, she kind of threw all of that creativity away for that movie. Yeah. It wasn't a bad, bad movie for the majority of it, but the ending just came out of nowhere so quick. And then literally it was credits. So I think a lot of people got burnt by it just by that. And then plus to have, so that was an adaptation of Turning of the Screw and to have The Haunting of Blind Manor coming out within the same year, like that can't look good, especially after how popular Haunting of Hill House was. Yeah, Haunting of Hill House was perfect to me. I'm excited to check out Blind Manor. I haven't heard 
like great, great things. But once we get through Halloween, I'm going to spend like a weekend just binging it. Agreed. I am trying to keep things more in the Halloween-y, fun, positive horror kind of way. And that there's a time and a place for bummer horror. And I don't think now is the time for that. <laughs> no, no. And luckily, I feel like fall and Halloween is kind of like saved my mood because it was pretty rough spring in the summer. Uh, the, could, the biggest thing I loved about this season is not getting to go to Universal, but found more creative things to do, I guess, more outlets. And that's something that's really cool, from the, especially from like the horror community that I've seen, is there are so many good creative outlets and finding new ways to do things and still keep that vibe alive. Because like you, I was struggling too for like spring and summer just because it's, I mean, everybody was. It's, it's hard to adapt to this current lifestyle and setting. It's, it's something I don't think I've done yet. But right now we've got the band-aid of fall and Halloween season to kind of delve into and do as much as we can remotely. Yeah, I think mood-wise I'll be okay, you know, next month in December. But usually my bummer year, bummer months are like January through really almost April. Like I just hate that time of year. So <clears throat> seeing how things really aren't getting better per se, I'm kind of nervous to see what those months are going to look like. They're, they're really not, and we don't, we don't really have a reason for them to not. It just seems to be, like, selfish indignation with people not wearing masks, people not staying distant. Like, my girlfriend's kids were, are in school right now, and they have, like, right, they were always staying from home because of different high-risk situations, but they were doing, like, some of the kids were in school and some of them weren't, and then they switched pretty much immediately back to full remote. Was that just because of cases rising, or...? Yeah, every every other week that they were there, there'd be like more reports of like, oh, three more kids tested positive in this school, three more kids in this one, and eventually they said screw it and just sent them home for permanent like work like work from home. Oh man, yeah, and I don't know. It's it's crazy. That's got to be way too hard on kids though. Like you can't expect them to not see their friends and their like other students for however however many months they were separate, and then have to go back together and say, okay, you can see each other, but don't do anything near one another. Like that that doesn't work from a kid perspective. No, not at all. And even my nephews, like, <clears throat> um, we've had a few like socially distanced family gatherings, and you know they just want to play. My nephew, one of them's five, and he's just kind of getting into Power Rangers, which is like something I loved as a kid. So he just wants to play Power Ranger weapons. I'm like, nah, dude, like, you got to stay away from me. Sorry. <laughs> and it's heartbreaking because that's all you want to do is play with them. And it's an impossible thing to explain to a kid of a certain age that, hey, we, we really can't right now, bud. And that's that's not fair to them. And I, and I get them being upset and angry. And it just, it's going to keep prolonging this if people aren't like you and don't follow that and stay separate. Yeah, luckily we did get to go to, uh, it was like a haunted walk in New Hampshire where I used to live. Um, so it was his first time kind of walking through like a haunted house, um, which was cool because you could see him like trying to be a little tough guy, but like <laughs> then he was kind of getting scared too. Um, but that was really fun. That's been one of the better memories of this fall. That's awesome. And then you and I had both gone to Haunted Overload this weekend, and it proved again to be the best haunted house in the area, like bar none. Yeah, yeah. We literally went uh, last night. Well, last last weekend we did the day walk, and then last night we just wanted to go back because walking around at day, like you can almost envision what those things could look like at night, like all the like the figures that they have in place, the ghosts, like the sack guys. Yeah. So we just had to go back and it was a blast last night. So good. And they did a really good job at keeping people separate. Like you weren't going through with like huge clumps of people. Um, the way they integrated the masks onto the actors there was so good. Like there was one of the clowns that had like a full on gas mask, but there were like lights built into the breathing parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the innovation you could see and like the passion behind all those like workers and stuff was cool too. Yeah, it took a little while to get in, but once we were in there, like, I felt like we didn't have people up our ass, and then we didn't have, like, we didn't have to keep stopping for the group in front of us either. Yeah, we had that a little bit Friday night, but it wasn't it wasn't too, too bad. It wasn't to a point where I felt, like, unsafe or annoyed. Like, just, I had to, like, stop a couple times, let the people in front of us get through, because it's just going to spoil, like, our fun of it, because if you hear them scream five seconds before, you know there's somebody there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were saying that, like, if you're in, like, a group of, like, seven, like, it's going to be really hard to, like, 
get the full effect, but um, you know, just a couple walking through there, it's, I feel like the effect is amped up a bit. Absolutely. That way, bit of a scare factor, you know? No, for, for sure. And they do such a good job with building up such a crazy atmosphere there. Like the moment you know that you're out, you feel your whole body just kind of relaxed because they do keep you super tensed up that entire time through. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even like the line waiting to get in, like I've never been a huge, huge fan of like loud noises such as chainsaws. Mm -hmm. So like when they have those guys going through just to try and like hold everyone's attention, like I'm even like tense just wondering if I'm going to get a chainsaw revved up behind me. So. And the the dudes that do work that like the line there know what they're doing. Like we had the I don't know if it's the same actors they do throughout the weekend. We had the one person with like the mask that would like open up back and forth and it squeaked a little bit. We had a couple of crow walkers. Yep. Like they're super creepy. Yeah, there was uh, one. I'm assuming it was a lady. She had like this weird eyeball thing in her mouth that she was like playing around with. I don't know if I saw that one. Yeah, I don't know what the heck it was, but it literally <laughs> looked like she like sucking on it like it was a gobstopper or something. <laughs> That's really cool. Have you checked but, out? Yeah, the, the makeup effects were great. The the structures are always great to see. It's such a good atmosphere. Yeah, that's that's been my favorite one in the area for years now. Yeah, the only other one that um, rivaled was uh, Have you ever heard of Destination Haunt in Maine? No, I haven't seen that one. I think it was like Lebanon, Maine. It's actually not too far off from there. Um, it's very like backwoodsy, so like that element thrown into it almost made me feel like it like could have been legit in a sense. That's really cool. Like there was just that added creep factor because it literally felt like it was in the middle of nowhere. And I think that was right after I had saw Houses October Built, which is like one of my favorite like haunt movies. Yep. So with with that too, it was just, I don't know, it was just a cool feeling. You know, I haven't heard of that one. I wonder if they're open this year. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't because we probably would have done Overload and then drove that half hour up there for it. But I was just happy that Overload was open this year. Same, and they did it so well. Like I've heard some not great things about Spooky World this year with the way they're doing like the lineup and stuff. But I'm happy that Haunted Overload was good. Spooky World was okay. Um, it did seem to follow like a decent flow. The thing I liked most was the hayride. They did have it sectioned off for like you were only with your group. And the barricades that they had almost muffled the group next to you so you didn't have to hear like stupid side conversa- conversations. That's cool. It's always a bummer. The when only you have, like, thing that we didn't check out was uh, Fright Kingdom because that one's more like indoors. Yeah. But that one's always good. Too. I think it's the Fright Kingdom crew that also ran the one that was in Haverhill. Maybe, yeah. I thought that was the same crew. And then Fright Kingdom does a Christmas one every year, too. I meant to, I was trying to go to that one last year, but I couldn't fit it into the schedule. Yeah, that one's a blast. Uh, they do a Valentine's Day one, too. I haven't been to that one, though. That sounds cool. There's not a whole lot of Valentine's Day. Which I imagine, to. no, not at all, unless <laughs> they have, like, Harry Warden Mines. I either envision that or like Cupid zombie babies running around or something. <laughs> Hopefully they'll get to do that this year, but I don't well, like you had said with that one being primarily indoor, I don't foresee that one coming back for this upcoming February or the Christmas one. No, especially in December. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we have a couple more weeks of a few outdoor activities left. The fall has been pretty mild so far, although we're seeing now that this is turning into a weather report podcast. There's reports of um, snow coming in by the end of this week, right right before Halloween, too. Yeah, I saw that. Hopefully it's nothing too crazy. But we're resilient New Englanders. If it snows a little bit, I'll still give away free candy. Not a big deal. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Did you get your candy picked out already for them? So, yes, every year. I, I usually go a month or two in advance to BJ's and just buy two of the big boxes of full bars. Oh, hell yeah. So So you're playing like a go-to place then. (laughs) Well, because for like two years, I worked at Lint Chocolate. And so I'd always get like bags of the truffles for free. And I'd bring those home and give those out. And then the first year after I didn't, I had people legitimately complaining that I didn't have them. And I was just giving out like standard fun size bars. Like, do you realize how expensive the truffles are? I can't afford that. But now that I'm a little bit more able to buy bigger things, I do the big bars for everybody. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. On the topic Does of Lynch candy, do you like a Halloween flavor? 
So it's not, they don't do Halloween flavor. They do different wrappings. So like they'll have like the milk chocolate ones are wrapped up to look like little jack-o'-lanterns or they'll do the um, white chocolate center ones and have little ghosts on the wrapper. They do some like Halloween-y stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Um, so I loved Butterfinger Skulls, but mm-hmm. I can't find them anywhere now. So I don't know. I, I'll eat like pretty much anything. The one we've been snacking on a lot this year was those uh, Reese's Franken Cups. Yep. They don't taste any different, but I don't know. There's something about Frankenstein and the green color. They're just cool. When they're shaped like Halloween stuff, they taste better. It's a known fact. That's why the Reese's Pumpkins taste better. The Franken Cups taste better. The Butterfinger Skulls were great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really miss those. If you find them anywhere, let me know. Absolutely. I've always been, I remember loving the Butterfinger BBs and I know it's just small bite-sized bits of Butterfinger that you can still get, but something about the perfect circle shape of them, the Simpsons commercials they had to go along with them, the BBs were perfect. Oh yeah, hands down. And they changed the recipe of regular Butterfinger like two years ago too, and it's just not, it's too different. Yeah, it wasn't it, was it more crispy, more buttery or something? I don't know. That's what they say, but you think if it was more crispy and more buttery, I would have liked it more, but I don't and I'm just bitter. Maybe I'm just getting old. That's all that it is. Yeah, nothing's like it used to be. <laughs> what movies are you saving for? Or are you not going to reveal it yet? I know that you guys have been doing your nights of Halloween and what movies you've been watching, but are you saving any in particular for Halloween night to watch? Or Halloween day? Um, not yet. Um, I mean, I haven't watched any of the Michael Myers films yet, which is shocking because usually I'm itching to watch those, but I need to be in the right mindset for it just because they're so good to like mm-hmm. wrap ourselves up in. Um, I haven't watched Trick or Treat or Tales of Halloween yet. Um, so it's probably going to be something along those lines. Nice. I we might have... even just go like, classic and throw Night of the Living Dead on. Hell yeah. I feel yeah. like that's the one film that's like in all the Halloween films, you know? Like they're always watching Night of the Living Dead on Halloween. Do you know why that is? I don't know. I feel like probably one or two like started it and then it just be kind of staple it is a staple for sure but it's because romero never actually secured any of the rights to it so it's been in public domain since it came out oh okay which that makes sucks sense. <laughs> well sucks for romero anyway yeah he could have could have been different for Mr. Romero. <laughs> Not that, I mean, between like Dawn of the Dead and Creep Show and Land of the Dead and like everything else he put out, he was definitely making money enough on its own, but nothing was that iconic genre groundbreaking film like Night of the Living Dead that then he immediately had no rights to and it was in everything. Did you get a chance to meet him at Rock and Shock? I did, yeah. I have a, a picture of him and I at the last time he was there, I had him sign my creep show print, which I now have signed by both him and Joe Hill. And I was trying to go through and get more of the cast members on there, but obviously that's taken a bit of a whole, a bit of a pause. That's awesome. Yeah. It was the year that he and Adam green got that picture of them together when they did that panel. Yeah. Was, he showed that at the, uh, was it the Victor Crowley screening? Yeah. That in Salem, right? Yep. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, it's crazy how many things we've we've gone to. That's the same, <laughs> but we haven't like fully like ran into each other yet. We'll have to change that. We will hopefully once the world stops being this like super soft version of Mad Max and people can start hanging out in person again. We'll be able to. Yeah, I just I just miss it. Me too, man. I That's honestly whole- how I became friends with a lot of these people. Is like, hey, we keep going to the same things. We should probably just hang out. Agreed. And, I, and I, I love that camaraderie and that feeling from like the conventions and doing those same things together. And now it's just, I don't know. It's, I hope it comes back in some sort of way, but I, I don't see that like communal thing coming back anytime soon, which is why if I can get dorky and heartfelt for a moment, I love getting to do these podcast episodes with other people who love the genre as much because it's a similar feel in comparison to getting to have those conversations in person. So that's why I've been really loving getting to do this and chat with people. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Well, we have been going for a little bit, so we'll start to wrap it up. Where can people follow you online? Um, so my most activeness is uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's Shanesaw underscore Massacre. Kind of a play on my name and the classic movie, of course. 
um, would be the same handle on Twitter, um, but they don't allow you to have that many characters apparently. So <laughs> uh, my Twitter handle is Shanesaw underscore Mass, which works because I live in Massachusetts. So I kind of got lucky there. We still have a good pun in both. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, if, if you want to hit me up, um, Instagram would be the best place to go. Awesome. Well, again, man, thanks for taking your time out of your day to do this for me. I really appreciate it. This will be going up tomorrow because, you know, last minute things are always fun. Oh, yeah. That's when I do some of my best stuff. (laughs) Thank all of you boils and ghouls for listening, and I hope you have a good, safe, socially distant Halloween. I'll be posting my favorite photo of me as a little kid in full costume later today, and would love to see your costumes and Halloween festivities too, so if you're hearing this, pretty please tag the show in your Halloween photos, I'd be super pumped to see them. If you are enjoying the show, you can follow me on social media, um, we're all at Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, you can email me directly at SlashInningsPod at gmail.com, um, you can send me whatever you'd like to, suggestions, thoughts, comments, concerns, uh, cool recipes for Halloween tricks or treats or anything crazy like that, um, that's all I really have for you this week, I'll be back in two more, until then, check your candy, don't smash any pumpkins, and keep it creepy.